Good evening and welcome back to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and now powered by our first sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You all have to buy tires from somebody. You might as well buy them from us and help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I am your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, for episode 101. I want to say thank you to all the sponsors and all of the members of the audience, all of the listeners, all of the viewers all across the world who have been with us through episode 100. We celebrated episode 100 on, on Monday evening. Um, talked about Deion Sanders, talked a little bit about the war in Russia. We also talked about false idols in, in the general sense. <clears throat> and, you know, over the last couple of days, there's something else that's come across my desk that I think we have to address here today. Uh, and I'm happy to be able to, to be back with you again after a long big three summer. Now I'm getting back into the rhythm of being with you on a, on a weekly and daily basis. And uh, we're going to roll out a lot of different content things, starting back up with the clips and the shorts. So hopefully you'll be able to share some of the more shorter form content clip in short form. So be looking out for that on the channel as well. Uh, the Royce White show is show it. The Royce White show is coming soon on Saturday evenings. We don't yet have a time, but it will be in the evening and that will be located on the Royce White USA YouTube channel. He bros is on the way. Me and Professor Penn, if you haven't subscribed to his podcast, please do so. He and I will do one one episode a week to start with He bros. A.J. Barker and I are still figuring out our schedule because he's back in school teaching, but we'll be doing the Last Renaissance podcast that'll be located on the Last Renaissance YouTube channel. And then Jonathan Mason and I have discussed doing our own podcast right over the top. I know a lot of people like the dynamic between Jonathan Mason and I. I certainly have fun. He's one of my good friends, and, and uh, we plan on doing our podcast as well as his own podcast, The Mason Show. The Jonathan Mason Show coming soon. So stay tuned for all of that. Our websites are now being finished, and, and we keep saying they're being finished, but websites are a process. You know, we want to make sure they're right, but um, ultimately at freepeopleradio.com, you can find us on freepeopleradio.com and all the places you can watch and listen to the podcast. But in addition to that, we are now in the process of finalizing our, our store or our shop so you can buy gear and content related to the podcast. The Last Renaissance will have a similar thing here in the future. And uh, my Senate campaign website will be launching shortly. You're getting a sneak peek at that because once the launch video is done and we do the entire media run, you'll see the, you'll see the campaign pop up again. It's kind of how the whole viral mechanism works. I was out of town this past weekend, as I shared with you last Friday, to go and sit down with uh, one of the 2024 political candidates. I'm excited for you to see that interview. I didn't really ask if I could disclose that we did the interview uh, when, when I was there, so I'm going to keep that uh, confidential for now and let that person um, put, put the interview out uh, when, when they decide to, and, and then we'll, we'll talk about it afterward. And I had a good conversation, I can say that, and I hope that um, in the future I'm able to go back, and I hope that me and this individual can start to build a relationship um, to you know, deal with the future of American politics, let's say. Whoever the players are on the field are, are necessary um, 
necessary to consider uh, going forward, especially young politicians, especially people who uh, who are, are going to be around for a long time. So um, that's that. Again, thank you for being here this evening for another episode 101. I'm glad we made it to 100. Looking into the future, can't wait till we make it to 1,000. Maybe we'll celebrate at 200. Maybe we'll celebrate every 100 episodes. I think that's fair. Um, we'll do a special uh, 100th episode celebration and uh, keep adding to the podcast as, as, we, as we go on here. Today, I want to keep it kind of short, but hey, you know, I always say I want to keep it kind of short and then we might go two hours. I don't know. Trying to keep the podcast around 90 minutes. We, we, we do our best, but you know, some of these conversations get, get passionate and heated. And, uh, you know, that's, that's good. That's how we want it. We wouldn't want it any other way. Uh, today, I want to talk about the great Russell Brand. Russell Brand and the Me Too movement. Oh, oh, buddy. The Me Too movement has got wind back in its sails, and its new target is none other than the great Russell Brand. Now, Russell Brand and I are, are cut from the same cloth. Different spiritual and, and, and philosoph- uh, different spiritual beliefs, different faith practices, but the same vigor and, and uh, lust, you could say, the same passion for the truth and the same passion to speak out against the establishment, and especially uh, this more recently, this global establishment and the globalist establishment and, and how it's kind of stood up on its hind legs in the face of uh, a number of, of uh, social social. Uh, Occurrences, COVID, George Floyd, uh, and the list goes on and on, right? So, you know, Russell Brand has built an incredible audience over on his channel, and he is a very, very smart and intelligent individual. He's very sharp, uh, very, very um, incredible, critical thinker. And I really enjoy Russell Brand's content. He has a way of uh, critically thinking about these things and breaking them down in his own unique way, in his own unique fashion, coming from the world of, of acting and, and comedy that make him uh, an invaluable piece, an invaluable voice um, in this time against this globalist establishment and the mainstream media. You know, the mainstream media that is all but monopolized or try to monopolize the narrative as best they can and, and, and try and paint uh, all of us who want to challenge the, the accepted mainstream narrative as conspiracy theories or theorists are crazy. Now, Russell, Russell Brand is a bit of a zany individual already, so it's pretty easy to, to paint him as a conspiracy theorist, which I think makes it so impressive that he's done well to stay right down the middle of the road when it comes to speaking the facts and bringing truth. Uh, to the table and, and speaking that truth to power. I, I never forget him being on Bill Maher and uh, dropping cold, hard facts about the, the medical industrial complex and Big Pharma. Hats off to you, Russell Brand. It's one of my favorite clips. I, I often refer back to it to get inspiration uh, on how to conduct oneself in the belly of the beast. And Re- Russell Brand is found now, I mean, look, there are a few topics that even in the conservative or alternative media world, many people still shy away from out of fear of being censored and deplatformed. We know what they are. Vaccine, high up on the list. Criticizing the World Health Organization, high up on the list. This platform, I mean, this podcast has already been, been um, censored uh, for talking about the World Health Organization. 
which was Professor Penn, I think it was episode 75 or maybe it was 65 or 66 or somewhere in there. If you go back, there'll be a podcast missing in, in, uh, in numerical order because YouTube pulled one down. And I think uh, Professor Penn discussed the World Health Organization. I didn't think his comments were particularly uh, disparaging or even definitive. Uh, it was more just having a conversation about the World Health Organization and the treaty that we signed to give them emergency authority in times of any type of health crisis or pandemic or, or any crisis of, of, of public safety. I mean, a nuclear war would certainly fall under the same uh, rubric, I, I would assume. And we're on our way to nuclear war. I mean, COVID's one thing, but if you have nuclear or radioactive material in the atmosphere, that certainly could constitute a health crisis as well and would give the World Health Organization emergency powers and authority. Anyway, Professor Penn talked about that. We had a podcast pulled down. And Russell Brand has made a point to talk about, number one, the vaccine, but also the World Health Organization and these governing bodies that have presided over this entire COVID narrative. I think Russell Brand has always been somebody who um, tried to speak out against against corruption, and 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 you know been on a a search for the truth and to speak the truth, a crusader for the truth, you could say. Um, but his red pill really got pilling, in my opinion, or from my vantage point, when COVID hit, as did many. Right, COVID was kind of a a turn of the tide for many people and, and looking at the narrative and voicing their opinions on the inconsistencies, let's say. So that as well as the vaccine, but but a number of other things. Russell Brand is, is balls deep in red pills. Let's just say that. Pause. And now, which is so often the case, the establishment is going to go after him with the, with the, uh, with the fail-proof, with the fail-proof strategy of Me Too. And, I mean, this is really more so a podcast about the Me Too movement and my feelings towards the Me Too movement uh, as much as it is about Russell Brand because what can I say about Russell Brand that everybody already doesn't know? The guy's incredible. He's fighting against the establishment. He has a really big audience. He does a really great job. And I, I don't know Russell Brand personally. Never met the guy. I like him. I think he'd probably be a fun guy to hang around. I think he's probably, a, I think he's probably, he's probably had a lot of success with women over the course of his lifetime because he's intelligent, because he's sharp, because he's charismatic and charming and all these things, I could see him having success uh, in the sexual marketplace with women. And that, that sounds kind of weird coming from another, another man. But I, I understand it, you know. Game recognizes game. Real recognizes real, as they say in my neighborhood. So I, I could see Russell Brand having a lot of success with, with, with the women, with the ladies. And, you know, This is one of the most dangerous things in our society. The ability for any man who's ever had any, any type of, of, of sex life, of, of romantic life, of, of interaction with the opposite sex, any type of uh, casual, formal, informal, 
sexual relations with the opposite sex can at any time be brought into the line of fire for the Me Too movement. You know, what does the Me Too movement, what has the Me Too movement done in effect? The Me Too movement in effect has suspended the presumption of innocence, right? The, the presumption of innocence is one of the fundamental, one of the fundamental ideas in our American culture, in our American society, at least when it comes to law and, and the idea of justice or the idea of a justice system adjudicated through the courts, the presumption of innocence is fundamental. It's the cornerstone of our, our rights as citizens in, in this country. And as this establishment and all of its little minions would so obviously try to do is find a workaround to everything that's fundamental to our rights, everything that's fundamental to this nation, everything that's fundamental to everything that's fundamental in what's good about our country. They find a workaround. They find a way to, to uh, backdoor, for lack of a better term, um, their duplicitness, their, their dishonesty, their, their sneaky ways. And the Me Too movement is a great example, right? Number one, we get to suspend the presumption of innocence before the trial, well ahead of the trial. And really, before the trial even begins, we get to suspend the presumption of innocence on the day that the accusation is made or alleged. And there's so many problems with this, it's hard to know where to start, but let's just start where, you know, let's just start where it's obvious. If you, number one, the, you know, the, the police department said, you know, in, in the story, hey, you know, we're aware of these allegations, but we have yet to see any police reports on the matter. Well, right there, I call bullshit. If you were raped, if you were sexually assaulted and you didn't go to the police or, or there was no police report filed, at all or whatsoever, even to this day, this very day, when these allegations have surfaced, obviously through the media, some interested party who sees fit to run these stories because, hey, well, it's Russell Brand, if we can discredit him, the more the merrier. Um, if, if you had no prior uh, contestation of the consensuality, the consensual nature of that sexual interaction, I call bullshit. I call bullshit 1,000%. And I'm not even saying that Russell Brand may have, not, may have not gotten a little rough. I'm not saying that a woman didn't feel uncomfortable. I'm not saying that uh, some element of, of regret is not, is not a part of this entire sexual encounter or these ones that are in question or in dispute. And who even knows if they actually happened? Who even knows if, 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 if any of it is true at all? Hard to say. We live in strange times. I mean, it's not beyond me that people who are influential will have Me Too claims waged against them to try and discredit them in the court of public opinion that are completely made up. And the fundamental, you know, this. The, let's start. Let's start here. The fundamental idea of believing all women is about as absurd an idea as I could possibly conjure up in my mind. Not because I have a problem with women or, or that it's even women-specific. My problem with it isn't, isn't gender-specific. My problem with it is human-specific. I mean, we have, we have um, 
unlimited, unlimited data, unlimited experience, unlimited example of women being just as full of shit as men. If not more, and I say if not more because, hey, I'm a man, so I have a slight bias for my own gender, you could say. But men are full of shit. Don't get me wrong. This isn't a, this isn't a, a, a cope for men not being uh, dishonest or unbelievable in many cases. But women are just as, just as dishonest as men. And this, this notion, this cultural idea, this cultural phrase, this trending and, and, and fad-like phrase, believe all women, is absurd. Why would we believe all women? And then you'll have your people from the Me Too movement who counter back and say, well, we're really not saying believe all women. We're really trying to say don't immediately disbelieve the women. Number one, I don't like you guys' use of the language. I don't like how you play fast and loose with the language. It really bothers me, and it's very hard to follow. And I don't think that it's hard to follow by accident. I think it's hard to follow intentionally so you can arbitrarily use the language when you want to your advantage, usually in the direction of corruption or something that's dishonest because when you're honest, you don't have to really play games of, I said this, but I meant that. You say what you mean, and you mean what you say. And right now I'm saying that the idea, believe all women, is fucking stupid. It's moronic. Only white liberal women would construct such a ridiculous phrase. And a ridiculous phrase with such, such, uh, with, with, with such high uh, stakes. With such um, potentially dark consequences. Believe all women, change a man's life. I mean, what are, we, what are we even talking about here? Is it beyond people that men and women have uh, relationships, have encounters, have, have interaction with one another that ends in some type of contentious manner, in some type of resentful manner, in some type of, uh, 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 you know, some type of uh, bout of, of anger or jealousy or, or uh, you know, wh whatever the case may be, right? I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. Are, is, is that beyond us? Does that go over our head? That many relationships end in that manner. Not just some. A good, a good I'd say the majority. A vast majority. A vast majority of relationships between men and women end in some type of negative way. And in that negative, uh, you know, ending, in that negative conclusion that the motive, right, we're talking legal, justice, jurisprudence, law, that there is motive for women to lie. And somebody, some people may say, hey, well, Royce, isn't there just as much motive for men to lie? Absolutely. There's great motive for men to lie. It just so happens that there was no male Me Too movement. And people would say, well, that's because the, 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 the prevalence of sexual assault and rape is skews in the direction from men towards women. And that would probably be true. In fact, I'll concede that for sure. Men rape women more than women rape men, and that's part of the reason why it's very important that we maintain our clarity around the differences between genders.
the reason why rape is viewed the way it's viewed is because men are, on average, biologically stronger than women. And not only are they biologically stronger than women, when they choose to be violent, they tend to be more capable of a higher degree or severity of harm. This was the entire thought process around penalty for men putting their hands on women. There is a more severe penalty for men who violently assault women. I don't care if you got in a fight. You know, I don't care if it's uh, your boyfriend and girlfriend or if you meet a woman on the street and she cuts you off and you get out of your car and you beat her up. There's a, there, is a, there is a cultural norm that we are now in danger of undermining that says there is no difference between men and women. Or we just want to say there's no difference between men and women when we want there to not be a difference between men and women, which is so odd. It's so strange. It's like, you know, if you're born a woman in a woman's body, that's socially constricted. You know, if, if, you're, if you're born a man in a woman's body, that's biologically determined, predetermined. But if you're born a woman in a woman's body, that's socially constructed. It's like, I can't even follow that. I hope you follow what I'm saying. If you're born a man in a woman's body, which is the claim around transgenderism, that transgenders have a soul, a, a soul that is of one sex that's trapped in the body of another sex. If you're born a man in a woman's body, that's biologically determined. But if you're born a woman in a woman's body, that's socially constructed. Non-starter. But, okay, I digress. Professor Penn here from my bookie, and I know as a better, you demand perfection, and my bookie delivers. NFL, college football, and a brand new cash-out system gives you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, cash out early and place another bet, or let it ride for a chance at a bigger payday. Join the MyBookie family for an entire season filled with daily odds boosts, same-game parlays, and super contests. This season, MyBookie has a no-strings-attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quick. Use promo code FPR on a deposit of 50 or more, and you can receive up to 200 in cash instantly to your MyBookie account. Bet your deposit amount once, and you're ready to withdraw at any time. Again, that's promo code FPR to claim your cash deposit bonus. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with my bookie. We have always had a cultural norm in America that there should be severe criminal or legal penalty that, that takes into account men being stronger than women biologically speaking. Okay, so, yes, men rape women and sexually assault women more often than the reverse. But also is the case, and there's a catch here. The catch here is that women are more likely to try and tarnish the reputation of men or gossip about men or lie on men or do something that that damages the, the the social standing of men due to their lack of of physical violence due to the lack of capacity for physical violence and we see that those 
things match up. Those, those two things add up. Yeah, men are quicker to violence on average. Women are quicker to reputation tarnishment. They're quicker to gossip. They're quicker to uh, do this uh, casting out of, a, of an individual. And, and so we have to accept both realities. We can't accept one without the other. And that being said, it's completely conceivable that a man who has multiple sexual partners throughout his lifetime could see those multiple sexual partners coalesce, coalesce and come together in a vendetta to dis, to discredit his character, to destroy his reputation. And we all kind of see, you know, and these are the real tricks of democracy. These are the real tricks of, of majority and consensus because we all tend to think that, that multiplied propagation is a telltale, uh, is a fail-proof way to find the truth. Multiplied propagation isn't always a, 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 an indicator of the truth. It can be. It can be, yes. If, if 10 people go outside, look up in the sky and say, hey, there's an airplane flying through the sky right now. Yes, in that, in that way, multiplied propagation was and, and, and can be um, uh, a, 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 a way to measure the truth, helpful in, in figuring out the truth. But it's just as soon that 10 people could walk outside and all see that the sky is actually purple, even though the sky isn't purple. Maybe all 10 of these people did, did oxy or, or, or ayahuasca or, or maybe, you know, all 10 of these people got together in a room and, and, and you know, want to play out some, some strange cosplay where they go outside and say the sky's a different color. I don't know. I don't know. There seems to be a lot of people willing to go in the public square and, and vouch on behalf of this false reality that men can be women and women can be men just because they choose to be despite all of the laws that have been put in place to protect women from the brutal, physical, biological nature of men, that certainly seems to be right up in our face. So we know that people can get together in large groups and decide to lie. We know that people can come together in large groups and decide to cheat, can decide to to rig the game. In fact, my fellow liberal Americans or even progressive and leftist Americans would agree with this on a fundamental level because the claim that the entire system is guilty presupposes that people can come together in large groups and lie. Just not when it comes to women who are talking about sexual assault. See, here I call bullshit. Fuck off. Fuck you, motherfuckers. Fuck you. And you know what the problem with it is? The problem with it is everybody wants to tiptoe around the issue because there is a there is a, an intimidation that women pose on an existential level. Right. And, and, you know, we live in a sort of civilized society. And I say this with all seriousness, men. Men realize at a spiritual level, we have, we have that, that gut intuition. Hey, if women want to pull out of the deal, we would have to go to uncivilized and barbaric terms, barbaric ways in order to procreate, let's say. I mean, let's just call it what it is. And I'm not even saying that men pursue women or sex or romance solely for procreation. 
that's kind of what the Bible would suggest we should do. But, but certainly that's not what our culture is. But for whatever reason, we want to pursue women, relationships with women. If women culturally decided to pull out of the deal, of that, that social agreement, men would have to go to very extreme and, and un, uh, unwanted and dishonorable ways in order to have any sort of sexual relationship with women, in order to have any, any sort of relationship with women. So, so women do hold a certain level of power. I mean, the, the natural, what's funny about this whole deal is all of these weird, uh, uh, all of these weird sort of esoteric symbols of, of women's political power have been thrown into the game that really have, have no bearing on, on women's power in society. Women already hold a quite significant power in society through their biological nature. And it's strange to see how women have been tricked that their political power is going to come from these academic universities with all of these esoteric ideas and, and not just their fundamental biological nature which has so much power in and of, in, in it, in, in of itself. In fact, that's where all the power is. All of the little political wedge issues that have been laid on top of it really have no juice whatsoever because men just look at them in totality and say, give me a fucking break. Every, every man who's a Me Too advocate or, or you know, posing as a feminist like Mark Lamont Hill, for example, these, these fucking cuck, cuck motherfuckers, uh, all of these guys, are just playing, you know, are, are just hopping from lily pad to lily pad, hoping not to, to, to touch the water, right, to get their feet burned on the lake of fire. That's what they're doing, effectively. They just don't want the Me Too or the wrath of women's political power to come down on them. That's what they're really up to, right? They don't really believe in this shit, okay? What they really believe in is the power of the pussy, as they say, as a, as a, as a rapper would say, a, a current rapper, I think there's a, a power of the pussy, pardon my language, pardon of the power of the pussy sort of mantra that, that's talked about in, in you know, some, some recent rap music, which is true. I mean, it's something that there's always been talked about in, in American culture and all around the world. And it's not just America, well before America. I mean, we can go all the way back to the creation story of Adam and Eve and see that woman, woman's biological nature gave her a certain power over man, over the free will of man. No different today. Your biological, ladies, women, your biological nature is your sole source of political power, okay? <laughs> Politics isn't just what's written down on paper by men who, who constitute laws. Power, political power, comes from supply and demand and the ability to, to reconcile the two with the things that you have, the gifts you've been given. This is the true nature of politics. It's not what's written on paper. I mean, come on, really, when it gets down to it, it says the reason why the Constitution of the United States is so powerful is because it emphasizes freedom. And there's something innate to our biological being that desires and craves freedom. Although right now we, we seem, to, seem to exhibit a, a willingness to be enslaved. But that's, that's, that's happened through great brainwashing in, in, a, in a long time. It's been a, a, a continuous project to get us to accept our slavery. To money, to sexual perversion, to the convenience of global governance. The list goes on and on, and women are a victim of that too. But my, my point is, to get back to it, women, 
your biological nature gives you your sole source of true political power. And you've given it up for all of these Fugazi political uh, agendas, uh, political ideas, political movements. And the Me Too one is the great example. I mean, come on. Your political power is going to be your ability to get together with other women who have also shared sexual experience with one man and and discredit him on the basis that he is a predator. I mean, what's more likely? (laughs) Let's just, and I don't mean to laugh, because look, Russell Brand could be guilty. I don't think he is. And even if he's not guilty, I mean, even if he is guilty, the the premise of the Me Too movement and the way that it thinks, the way that it operates, the, the, the presuppositions is dangerous. It's dangerous for everybody, not just Russell Brand or not just any of the other people who have been caught in the crosshairs of it. And look, sometimes people are predators. Like, if it's me and I look at Harvey Weinstein, I, honestly, I think people were fat shaming him. And and I, we're going to get down into this. I could tell this is going to go a, a long time today because there's there's a lot to unpack with the Me Too movement. But it's going to be a, a continual thing because myself as a young 32-year-old heterosexual, some would say handsome, some would say charming, attractive young man, uh, I too see the danger of the Me Too movement on the horizon now. I'm a little bit more brash and and uh and 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 don't really give a fuck about politics in general. Right? I'm sort of a a battering ram, so I would invite the battle with the Me Too movement, especially with any women who I ever had consensual sex with. There might be some receipts that they should be mindful of, but nonetheless, um we all should be concerned. Uh all of us men should be concerned, but women too. And, and look, Russell Brand could be guilty. So I don't. If you see me laugh during the episode, I don't want to. I don't want to make it seem as though this is a lighthearted issue. But some of this stuff is fucking absurd. A lot of this stuff is fucking absurd, right? And it's not by accident that the the Me Too movement is politically aligned with the same movement that says a man could get in the octagon with a woman, and it be a fair fight, but still say that they're fighting on behalf of the prosperity and well-being of women. That's not by accident, and it should not be overlooked in our cultural analysis of the Me Too movement itself. These things are not unrelated. They can't be unrelated. They're the same group of people. I mean, quite literally. Your Me Too activists, your Me Too advocates, your feminist activists, your Time's Up activists are much of the overlap for the LGBTQ and transgender movement. It's just a, it's just a fact. And, and it is much of the overlap of the Democrat voter base. It's just a fact. And it's black women too, but mostly it's white liberal women. I'm just going to say it. I mean, this whole Me Too movement started with who? Harvey Weinstein. And again, I thought you guys were fat. A lot of people were fat shaming him. And it's not that I don't think that he's a creep. I don't, it's not that I don't think that he's a predator or that he's weird or that he did a lot of what they said he did. What I'm, what I'm saying, or, or what I think is worthwhile to say, is that Harvey Weinstein's look of being overweight, middle-aged, white man, losing his hair, uh, who obviously had real confidence issues that he thought he needed to use the power of his position in Hollywood to score pussy, or maybe he got off on using his power 
in position in Hollywood as score puts because that's a whole those are two different dynamics. In one case, you could be you could lack the confidence to actually want to pursue women without that, you know, without that card, right? You you don't really feel that you could have success with women without that power position. And there are a lot of people who seek powerful positions in society just because they have that lack of self-confidence. I was never one of those people. Obviously, I could have taken $500 million in the NBA and I told them to fuck off, partly because, uh, honestly, being forthright, I was having sex with a supermodel when I was 17 years old. So, you know, that, that it never dawned on me that to have sex, uh, sexual success in the marketplace that I would need to, uh, I would need to forego my morals or ethics or have to say something that I didn't believe in because I was already having success as a young man. And I was saying everything I believed in for the most part, there were things I would later learn later that I would say later on that that were better articulating the way that I felt inside, better articulate my spirit uh, when it comes to certain issues. But but I was not a shy person at 17 years old either. I mean, I was outspoken then. I was outspoken at seven. Um, so and, and I had success with that, you know. And and I didn't kowtow to women. I, I wasn't a, I wasn't one of these Romeo, one of these Rome, uh, feminist Romeos. Romeo feminists. I wasn't a Romeo feminist where it's like. I go around and, and and I wasn't doing the 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 best friend to boyfriend thing. I was just going right up to women, as Donald Trump would say in, in, in his locker room talk, not in the same way, but I was just very straightforward with women. I've always been that way. Um and and to to many people's surprise, most women actually do like that. At least I've had a lot of success in that manner, which is why when I heard the Donald Trump talk, and many athletes, many guys like me who were athletes who were supreme athletes in their in their teenage years or in their young adult years just kind of chuckled at it because we all know that there's a real degree of truth to what he was saying and it's funny that that this whole situation comes in and you know comes up right now because I was just in my drive on my drive uh, over the weekend I was listening back to the Hillary and Donald Trump debate and there was nothing more classic in the debate than them trying to assassinate Donald Trump's character through the grab him by the pussy comment. And he was just as, you know, as, as, uh, he was just as gangster as you could be about it. And I say gangster in a good way, not, not in a, a bad way, as a pejorative. I say it in a good way. He was a G. He was like, look, I'm not proud of it. Yeah, all of us would, all of us would be ashamed of some of the things that we've said in private being aired in the public, especially something of the sexual variety, because sex is taboo. I mean, if you think mental health is taboo, sex is double taboo and it's nestled within the human psychology. I mean, there's nothing more taboo in our society than sex, which is kind of ironic and crazy that we have a society that is hypersexualized, but yet everybody's still kind of shy and ashamed to talk about it, right? We, we've created a secret, uh, a, a secret sexual society, which is odd. I mean, it's just an odd dynamic for a society. But anyway, Donald Trump was a G body. He's like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not proud of what I what I said. Yeah, I mean, you know. But I mean, who is Hillary to call foul? I mean, Bill Clinton's sitting right here. <laughs> and his accusers are sitting up in the in the in the balcony as well. Um, and I just thought it was an an incredible moment in in presidential debate history. It was one of the defining moments of of American politics and the time we're living in now. And I thought Donald Trump really took a hatchet to we're without disrespecting women or without, um, 
you know, making a mockery of anybody who's been harmed in, 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 you know, in, in their life, uh, taking a hatchet to the, the, the fundamental contradictions of this whole kind of Me Too political movement. And so, you know, to get back to uh, the Harvey Weinstein thing, you know, this is where this movement really kicked off was with Harvey Weinstein. The Me Too movement was, you know, that was the start of it was Harvey Weinstein. And then, you know, there are two type of people. Like I was saying, there are some people who lack that self-confidence. So they want to, they feel the need to use their position of power to have success in the sexual marketplace. But then there's people who actually get off on having the power uh, and, and kind of, you know, uh, using that power in that sexual way, right? So there, there is that. But Harvey Weinstein struck me as a person who just lacked self-confidence. I mean, he just wasn't really well put together. It's overweight, that's a huge sign of, of him having impulse problems. And, you know, he's probably an emotional eater, probably abnegated many of his morals and ethics to have the success he had in Hollywood to begin with, which will degrade and decay the soul and the spirit. And, and yeah, I mean, when you get to that place, the hell with it. I might as well use my position of power to lure Gwyneth Paltrow to my hotel room for, for a midnight back rub. And yeah, that's creepy. But there's an entirely other side of this equation. And it, and it displayed itself throughout the Harvey Weinstein clay, case uh, or, or, you know, saga, as, as they would say, uh, continuously. The other side are the women. And in the Harvey Weinstein situation, many people failed to ask the question, the rightful question that we heard on the ground in neighborhoods and communities all around the, the country, away from the spotlight, away from the the, the judgment of the court of public opinion that has to give a certain answer because of the, the sway of the, the, the social winds. Everybody asked the question, why would Gwyneth Paltrow go to this man's hotel room after hours by herself anyway in the first place? And is it not conceivable that Gwyneth Paltrow in that situation knew full well the potential of Harvey Weinstein being a creep or a predator, which many of them admitted they had previously heard, but yet still went and dealt with him anyway. I mean, isn't it conceivable that people were going to deal with Harvey Weinstein, women were going to deal with Harvey Weinstein um, with complete, complete prior knowledge that it could end in a way that they were uncomfortable with and did so anyway, because maybe they weren't so uncomfortable with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to go there today. We're going to go there today, right? Because this is one of the, this is one of the linchpins of the globalist agenda and, and the globalist establishment strategy to undermine and discredit any man who wants to stand up against their tyranny. This is, this is the linchpin. When all else fails, if you're not a drug addict, if you don't have a criminal record, if you, if you don't have any debt, uh, if you don't have any, this is the final, this is the, this is the last resort for character tarnishment, for destroying somebody's character, a man's character who wants to speak out against this agenda. And it's coming for all of us. It's coming for every man who, who, they, can't, who they can't trap or trip up in some other way. You know, with Donald Trump, it's easy. You know, we'll just call him a white supremacist. He's beaten all of the Me Too cases, including Gene Carroll, who now, unironically, I was talking about him, him and Hillary, and, and, and they continue to go to the Me Too will to try and discredit and, and destroy Donald Trump. Gene Carroll is the most recent example. Um, 
But and they'll they'll continue to to do it as well. Gene Carroll is just the beginning. Over the next twelve months, it would not surprise me if you saw many more people bring accusations uh, of sexual misconduct and assault against Donald Trump. But it's easy to kind of go after Donald Trump without the Me Too allegations. I mean, that's just like the cherry on top, right? Uh, you can just call Donald Trump a white supremacist. I mean, that's the that's the go to method. Is you know Donald Trump doesn't like black people. But Russell Brand is much harder to do that to. I mean, honestly, Russell Brand was a former former leftist, to, to be honest. I mean, and I don't say that disparagingly because many people have made that walk across the, uh, across the aisle, across the, the political Rubicon. Many people have, have started to move away from their, their formerly held positions about political dichotomy and, and now into a a place of neutrality that just wants to talk about what is true and what is not. And that's a beautiful thing. And we invite more Democrats and liberals to come to go ahead. We you know we want you and all these rhinos over here who give this litmus test. Oh, he used to be a Democrat. He used to be a liberal. He used to be a leftist. He used to march for George Floyd. Watch those people. They may in fact be the controlled opposition because when you're talking about a game of politics, which is greatly mathematical and and uh, which is greatly material and mathematical, isn't the point for us to convince liberals and Democrats that they should vote Republican or that they should be conservative or that they should come to our side of the fence on a given issue? I mean, that's kind of the point. Russell Brand is not a Republican. Russell Brand is not a conservative. Russell Brand was a, a, a liberal at best. But, you know, when you listen to his rhetoric from early on, he was close to being, he, he was close to being a leftist, and, and you could argue he was a progressive. Now, he's from the UK. So the UK's, you know, form of progressivism is different than America's form of progressivism. You know, when you get to the act of the intellectual tradition, it gets a lot closer. When you get down to the, the fundamental roots of the, the ideology, they get a lot closer. But, but your people in the UK who are progressive or leftist will have different and varying opinions on things than people here in America. So Russell Brand's very hard to cast white supremacy on, right? And, and so, you know, and he's articulate. I mean, uniquely articulate. Let me be clear. Russell Brand is as sharp as they come. His oratory is top tier. I mean, he is sharp as they get. So he's very, he's, he's very, it's, it's very hard to call him stupid. It's very hard to call him dumb. It's very hard to call him crazy. It's very hard to call him a white supremacist. It's very hard to call him an elitist. All of these things work in Russell Brand's favor. And what do they do? And again, I say this, and I give the Harvey Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein example for this reason. It's easy to paint Harvey Weinstein as a predator. Kind of fits the mold, right? Middle-aged, over-the-hill, white guy, overweight, you know, in a creepy position of power with Hollywood already, got the casting couch, cultural knowledge that that kind of thing goes on. It was, it was easy to, to, to paint him in that way. And he was a creepy guy. I mean, let's just be honest. He was a, he, you know, you could, some people, you don't judge a book by its cover as a general principle, but some people you look at and go, I could see him being a, a creep. 
<laughs> right? And if I had known any of those women, if it was my little sister or my daughter or whoever it was, I would hope that they would, they would consult with a man uh, out there. All of you women who don't need men, I would hope that you would consult with your men before going to meet a person like that alone. Because oftentimes a man will tell you, don't do that. I got a bad feeling about that guy. That guy looks like a creep. I don't think you should be going to his hotel room after dark. That doesn't seem like it's business appropriate. And in fact, I think as the story goes, Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow ran into turbulence around this very issue because Brad Pitt, who was at the time seen as controlling by Gwyneth Paltrow for not wanting her to do certain things like that, which put her in danger of people like Harvey Weinstein, was a problem in their relationship. Right? I mean, I think that, that that's actually how Gwyneth told the story. She was like, Brad Pitt was was upset and you know he he wanted to he wanted to fight Harvey Weinstein but that's not really what he wanted to do he really was upset with Gwyneth that he told her don't be doing shit like that and she did it anyway and now as men we got to deal with the fallout because that's the duty of men to deal with other men who are out of control which you women out there would would do well to to accept and 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 understand and 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 make peace with so, you know, this is a this is a story that is true across across the spectrum. And again, I say to go back to Harvey Weinstein because it was the inception of the Me Too movement. Um what the, the flip side of the coin, and this could very well be the case with Russell Brand. The flip side of the coin to this entire sexual culture that we have in America. Yes, there are people who are predatory and can be violent and shady and, and, and use their power and wield their power to try and get women to do things they don't really want to do. That's, that's a reality. But there's a flip side to this coin. And the flip side to this coin is the, the emerging culture of sexual perversion that, that places a premium on sexual dominance. Yeah, this is this is the ugly side of this sexual conversation. This is why I'm aptly uh, equipped not only to run for office, to, but but to talk about these cultural issues, these very hard, hard cultural issues like sex and, and the Me Too movement and, and men's place in society. Number one, because I've experienced it. I've, I've experienced it myself. I'm, I'm aware because I'm, I'm that age and and I'm close to that generation that has this this thing you know, bubbling up. And it's not that it wasn't always the case that people weren't weren't into kinky things or that people weren't, you know, doing dominatrix or BDSM, but it wasn't so easily accessible. It wasn't a cultural, it wasn't a, a, a culture-wide phenomenon. It wasn't normal. It wasn't the norm. Now it's become the norm. And we don't know, we don't know what to do about that. We don't know, we don't know what the implications are of that. But we can say with some with some surety that the rules around sexual morality are all over the place. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's literally chaos. It's chaotic. And it's the one thing that you could say Christianity, being an ancient faith practice, gave us some cheat codes to, you know, navigate. Just 
Don't have sex until you get married. Have sex with that one person until the day you die. Makes everything a lot easier. Don't covet your neighbor's wife. Covet your neighbor's wife. You might be in a duel with, with, with your neighbor's husband. <laughs> it was kind of a self-preservationist uh, cultural idea, just as much as a moral one about, about taking something from somebody else that's not yours. I mean, you know, the, the, if you get what I'm saying, right? Um, but now the rules are off, right? It's the wild, wild west. Everybody's making their own rules. And it's not by accident that, that the Christianity was, was pulled from society and now you're left with this chaos, this chaos around what culture is, you know, what, what the culture is and what the behavior should be, what the expectations are, what are the, what are the, the parameters, what are the starting points, what, what, are the, what are the constraints? It's not by accident. This is intentional. It's, it's very, very intentional. At least it would seem that way. And if it's not a group of people who participated in this destruction and managed decline of the West, both economically and politically, but also culturally and spiritually, if it wasn't a group of people, then you have to go to the metaphysical and, and say, Satan must be behind something like this. And in fact, it makes more sense that a, that a, that a, that a metaphysical being with power such as that of Satan would be able to coalesce people in a similar direction of wickedness without having to, without them having to be directly um, inspiring. But certainly across, across the span of time, we see this slow decay and this destruction and it all points in one direction and it's chaotic. And it's chaotic, it's gotten so chaotic that just as you would expect, now, when we are in our most dire moments as a civilization, men who want to speak the truth and stand up against the corruption and tyranny of the establishment have to always be vigilant about their former relationships with women, their past relationships with women from 10 years ago. Give me a break. Give me a break. And we don't want to, again, we don't want to talk about the, 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 the reality the reality that there's a growing culture of, of sexual perversion that places a premium on dominance. Everybody says they want a sensitive soy boy who is vegan or vegetarian and likes to sit in restorative circles with their girlfriends and their girlfriends' girlfriends at their little, uh, you know, lake house retreat and, and do yoga and kundalini and, and you know, talk about the spirits of the world and, and the, the vibrations of the universe and, 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 and lick their girlfriend's toes and, and, you know, uh, draw the bath water and this whole kind of, you know, uh, a passive, passive, aggressive, uh, cuck, uh, motif. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody says they want that guy right. on paper. Women love that guy. Right. Radical feminists. They love that guy mostly just cause they like to see him demean himself. They like to reverse the natural order and to see a man, to see a man uh, bow at the pedestal of the pussy, um, is is you know it, it, it you know it's a way to get off. They get off on it psychologically the same way some men get off on having a position of power societally and then needing to use that power or having the ability to use that power to get what they want sexually. It's two sides of the same coin. 
some women like to see men so obsessed with sexual pursuits um, that they will they will demean themselves in front of women at the behest of women. That's much of what the transgender movement is. And it's no wonder why a bunch of women, resentful, bitter, spiteful women, who hate men, man-hating women, love to see a man get up on stage and dress up like a woman. Has nothing to do with their support of his sexual choices or his sexual preferences. Come on. Why are women so interested in that? Women don't. Why would a woman care if a man wants to dress up like a woman and have sex with a man? What do, and what part of that equation benefits them? What part of that equation even has anything to do with women? Nothing. And none of it has anything to do with women. I mean, think about that. Why are the biggest fans of the transgender movement women? Men who dress up like women and have sex with other men is something that has nothing to do with women directly. But it certainly seems to be a thing that would that would uh, satisfy a woman's spite and hatred towards men. 100%. Yeah. Let's watch a man demean himself. Let's even see if we could get him to cut his penis off. Turn him into a eunuch. No greater, no greater achievement, no greater accomplishment than a woman who has hatred and, and, and bitterness or resent towards men, whether it be her father or her uncle or her grandfather or her first boyfriend or her first crush or, 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 or you know, the man that pushed her down off, the boy that pushed her down off the swing or her, her cousins who, you know, ganged up on her and beat her up or teased her, whatever it is. Whatever it is, nothing satisfies a woman more than to see a man willing to cut his penis off. Willing to cut his penis off to, to present uh, the image of a woman on himself, for himself. I mean, that's some high-level psychological uh, uh, you know, satisfaction. That deep, deep, dark. Ooh, that's dark. Oh, it's ooh, ooh, twisted, demonic. Dark, sick shit. Oof. Every time I see one of these transgender stripper shows and I see the women out there just. I just think, oh, shit. Oof, look at that. Whoa. I don't know. That's like a, it's like a form of a seance. It's so demonic, so twisted. I digress. My, my point is. My point is that women, many women, many women have the capacity. They show the capacity. We've, we've, we have plenty of, of examples of, of women having the motive to lie on men. So why would we believe all women? Why would we believe all women? It, it makes no logical sense. Yes, women lie. We know women lie. Women lie. Men lie. And sometimes even the numbers lie. I don't even like that, that phrase. Men, men lie. Women lie. And numbers lie. It's the times we're living in now. If Pfizer's doing the numbers, the number's probably going to lie to you. But women lie. Of course women lie. And this idea that women can't get together in, in bigger groups than one to lie is just as ridiculous. I mean, it's like, if we get 
10 women together like they did Bill Cosby. Now, Bill Cosby, there's a whole different story. Bill, but, but even the Bill Cosby story is interesting. Even the Bill Cosby story was interesting, and it actually it actually is a great a, a great herald of 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 what what men face now, which is different than what men faced when Bill Cosby was accused of doing the majority of the stuff that he did. But that was a very very um. It was a very strange thing to see so many people act as though uh, in, in the 70s and 80s or in, in some of those uh, decades when, when drugs was huge, whether it was coke and heroin, marijuana, or, or prescription drugs like quaaludes, which, which Bill Cosby was, was accused of drugging people with the drug of choice was quaaludes and quaaludes were huge when they hit the market so much so that they took them off the market because the recreational use was so was so prevalent um it was weird to see people act as though getting getting high or taking drugs and having sex wasn't common of course it was common of course it was common it's common today. They rap about it all the time. In fact, it's weird to see a culture that in one light wants to protect women, but in another light, we admire, we uplift, we, we glorify uh, men who, who talk about drug use as a, as a common practice within their, their sexual pursuits. I mean, what are we talking about here? Men who have money, men who have status, men who have access to drugs are a target for women who want to have that type of lifestyle, which often includes sex, risky, spontaneous, um, unfamiliar sex. Let's just talk. You know, I know every I know some people getting squirmish. And, you know, and that's just how taboo it is. And that's the real weapon that's being waged against you now. That's how a Gene Carroll is going to come out and the, the people who are going to follow and try and undermine Donald Trump in 2024. And it'll be me after that or it'll be some. I mean, the list is going to go on and on and on. They're counting on you to get squeamish when the topic of sex comes up. They're counting on you not to want to have this conversation or dialogue with your children. They're counting on you to raise a child, send your child to some finocchio Marxist liberal university where they teach the young people how to think about the morality and ethics of sex. Take it from somebody who went to a university, you know, in, in, in the last decade, and it's gotten even worse since then. But they have feminist activists come on campus and have carte blanche to assemble women in an assembly hall who are young and impressionable in their in their early adult years where their mind is is actually very very vulnerable and susceptible to to, to brainwashing in effect and they tell women how they should think about being sexually how they should think about sexual assault or rape or 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 whatnot and then they come out of the university and now they've put that hydra right in into your children 
if you had consensual sex with somebody on a given day and then you wake up the next day and regret that, that's a sign that it was not consensual, that you regret it? I mean, what kind of silly victim, you know, what kind of what kind of victim twister game is that? That if you regret something, then by default, you're the you were the victim of, of a wrongdoing. I mean, and that kind of does encapsulate the, the, the whole leftist, progressive, liberal edifice, doesn't it? One they want black men to be involved, one they want black men to participate in. One they want black men to co-sign. If I have regrets in my life, if I have if if my life hasn't gone the way that I would have liked it to go, if there's anything that didn't that didn't lean in my favor, that didn't lean in my direction, that didn't bring me success, I have the right to say I must have been I, there must have been there must have been some wrongdoing. And don't get me wrong, people have the capacity for wrongdoing. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to uh, uh you know <laughs> I'm not trying to excuse people of their wrongdoing by any means. But let's talk about wrongdoing where it really is. Just like I said about anti-Semitism, when you, when you accuse everybody and anybody of anti-Semitism just because they say the word Jew, you water down the term anti-Semitism and you make it easy for real dangerous anti-Semitic people to hide. It's the same thing with race and it's the same thing with me too. All, all, every time one of these Me Too movements gets a lot of public bandwidth and horsepower, uh, and they and they they use that manipulatively, dishonestly to try and discredit a man. It actually undermines. It actually undermines what it means to be sexually assaulted or sexually harassed, or or raped. That's the re- that's a reality. Don't do that, women. That's a crime. You're you're doing a crime against other women when you do that. And I know everybody wants to presume, you know, we, 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 we all sort of play this game where we presume that, that a woman who's, who's making these claims or allegations because it's a feminist movement, she would never do something that would, would be intentionally harmful to another woman. She would never, she would never uh, unintentionally do something that would be harmful to another woman, right? Let's get real here, people. Women lie, men lie, numbers lie. Women can get together and lie just as easily as men can get together and lie and lie. In fact, it's even easier. It's even easier to lie with a group than it is all by yourself. It's easier. It's easier to lie with a group. It's easier to ride the wave of a dishonest narrative with a group. Much, much easier, safer. And many of you may think to yourself, well, why are you going way out of your way to defend Russell Brand? This isn't about Russell Brand. This, this podcast isn't about Russell Brand, and I would venture to guess these allegations aren't about Russell Brand. This is about a political movement hijacking women, hijacking the existential reality of women, the biological nature of women, the social circumstance of women, the history of the dynamic between men and women and using it to maintain and preserve the status quo. That's what this is about. 
This is about women, yet again, being used to preserve the corrupt status quo. This is about a very covert, covert, ooh, sneaky group of motherfuckers. Seeing the psychological vulnerability of women as a demographic, as a nationwide and worldwide demographic, and being able to influence them, being able to, to get them to do their bidding to preserve the status quo. Any man that rises up, that wants to fight against the establishment's narrative that overwhelmingly tilts towards a sort of effeminate, an effeminate makeover of society, which is what Jeffrey Epstein said. Remember, he's a big advocate of the Time's Up movement. He's always believed that the way of the future is the way women think. The way of the, the future is for the way women think. I mean, what kind of kinky, cuck, perverted thing is that to say? The way of the future is for the, is for the way women think? What does that even mean? I mean, we're, 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 we're a pair bonding species. We're, we're two gender species. I don't even understand what, what, what that means, the way women think. History has always been deeply influenced by the way women think. This whole narrative that men have just run roughshod over women with no consideration for them whatsoever is ridiculous. And it goes back to the brainwashing and the bait and switch that women's political power comes through politics. No, women's sole greatest political power comes through their biological nature. And I'm not even talking about the womb necessarily. Because, yeah, in a perfect ideal world, a woman would realize that her true power in the world comes through the womb. But, but let's just talk about how it plays out. I'm a realist. The power of the pussy. Women have always had huge sway and influence over men. In fact, you could argue that the convenience, the convenience that was built across the ages to the civilization and society we live in now is, is man rejecting God's decree that we must sweat by the toil of our brow until the day we die. So we kind of all say, you know, we, we, we advance technology to you know, flip the bird to God and say, hey, you, you think you, you're going to make us work. Watch how easy we can make our work. But part of it, too, is so that we could lay up all day with, with Eve, so that Adam could lay up all day with Eve. We can make her life more convenient. And that is the real degradation of, of, of men towards women. If we really want to talk about it, the way that men have undermined women the way that men have undermined the sovereignty and the and the and the uh, the individual autonomy of women is that we've accepted women becoming dumb for our own convenience. We like our women dumb. We think that we, women being stupid or women not having a rich philosophical and and intellectual uh, culture will help us dominate them. That is, that, that's, the real, that's the real criticism of men. That's the failure of masculinity. And it stems from self-doubt. Now, is it a self-doubt that women helped push along, along the way? Oof, we don't know. Eve, Eve is, a, is a whisperer. Hard to see what happens when, hard to, hard to know what happens during the whispers. Hard to know what one whispers, right? I would say, yeah probably had a huge influence on it. Not going to lie. 
I'm not going to lie. I think she probably had a huge, huge influence on that. You know, men building up society to a point, to a place where we could spend much more time cleaving to our women. That's what we've done. Look at our society. When in actuality, we should have taught the women. When in actuality, we should have uh, uh, maybe uh, taught, we should have taught women how to read earlier. We should, we should have allowed women to, to be, you know, the, 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 the mind of the woman is, is, uh, is something that's been neglected. And I don't mean in some cheap vegan soy boy way. I mean, we all thought it'd be more convenient for women to just kind of not be, uh, you know, in, involved in, in intellectual and philosophical matters. And, and in doing so, we became blind to the fact that she is deeply interested in political, philosophical, philosophical and intellectual matters. And the product, the result is that we're following a, a person like Helen, uh, uh, Helena Blavatsky, you know, founder of the Theosophical Society. And a lot of these men are walking around unbeknownst to them following the whims, uh, the, the philosophical whims of a woman. The, the, theosophical, the, the theosophical society, you can look it up right now, it was founded by a woman. And a lot of these men are, 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 are theophysists. Theosophists. A lot of men who don't even realize it. Like Billy Carson. For example, I was watching his video the day the other day. I mean, one of his videos, he's got a huge audience. Now, I'm not saying anything bad about Billy. You know, you know, we're all trying to figure it out. I get it. I get it. But, you know, do these people realize that this is not new? That, that this is not original. It's not authentic what they what they're saying. And they could say the same thing about me and Christians, I guess. In fact, they could say the same thing. And we'll get we'll get to that another time. I don't want to stray too far from the point, but but we'll we'll talk about uh, the 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 contrast between this sort of theosophical faith practice or or, or ideological uh, you know framework and the Christian one. And you take a person like Billy Carson, for example, who you know you know talks about the Inuaki and stories that have multi million year uh, chains of custody. Multi-million year chains of custody. And people who come to bow at the altar have huge um, distrust in a 6,000-year-old faith practice. I mean, what's more likely? What's easier to track the chain of custody? What's easier to believe? A story that's 6,000 years old or a story that's multi-million years old, hundreds of thousands of hundreds of thousands of years old with all kinds of missing parts that you have to pre that you have to posit the answer from nothing right i mean the answer seems simple and the only reason i bring that up is because again the the the, the founders of these ideologies many of these academic ideologies have their roots and and much of the much of the uh much of the rhetoric and conversation from, from people today, public figures today with huge platforms that don't even know they've been influenced by these things, I don't think. But this sort of theosophical religion is prominent. It's prom this is why the loosest trust, uh, the, why the, the United Nations 
has uh, the Lucis Trust listed as one of its as one of its uh, as one of its members, one of its key organizations, the Lucis Trust, which used to be Lucifer Publishing, which was founded by two people who followed Helena Bledvatsky, Bledvatsky through the Theosophical Society. I mean, these people have huge political sway and ideological influence. And maybe you ask me, well, how'd you get here from Me Too and Russell Brand? The point is women have been brainwashed. I mean, it's such a cheap manifestation of political power for women to come together to try and discredit and destroy a man based on sexual uh, interactions. I mean, these things don't even have a place in the political discussion, really. They don't even have a real place in the court of law. If you've been raped or you've been sexually assaulted, you go to the police on that day. You say, look, I was raped. Man had sex with me against my will. If you really believe the man is a threat, you get a restraining order. You get a restraining order, or even more prudent would be for you to go get a gun. Go take your class, go get your license to conceal and carry, go get you a nice little sidearm, uh, you know, a, a nice little sidearm in case this predatory, dangerous, violent, psychopathic man tries to come back to do it again, which usually never happens, by the way. But if he does, or if the next predatory, vicious, violent, psychopathic man tries to take advantage of you in the same way, you up that nine millimeter and you put four or five hollow rounds in his chest and we'll see how dangerous he is then. Those are the things that women do who are actually been assaulted. And I'm not saying that a woman couldn't do all of those things to, to create the presentation that she is actually in danger or has been assaulted. Because I know plenty of women who go get restraining orders, who go get restraining orders just in, despite the man, who go get restraining orders for, for um who go get restraining orders to create a paper trail in any would-be future custody battles for children. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen, ladies and gentlemen. We all know it to be true. We don't want to talk about it. I know. That's why I'm running for United States Senate. I'm not here to do an up or down vote for women. I'm just going to tell the truth. And if women want to be a part of the truth, let's talk openly. A lot of men are assholes. Don't give me... I know how much of an asshole men can be. I'm watching all these asshole men speeding on the freeway, acting like they don't have any, any damn sense. I mean, if you want to, if, if you want to see a real symptom of, of the neuroses of men, look at how men drive. <laughs> look at what men are willing to resort. I'm just trying to be fair here. Right? I'm, not, I'm not whipping men just because we're having a conversation about women. But, but let's be clear. This is the, the crisis of femininity is a failure of masculinity. I'm behind the car. My self-doubt my self is so palpable that I got to weave in and out of traffic to make myself feel like I'm alive or make myself feel like I'm tough or, or I got to road rage because I, I'm just so wound up. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of women straying from the path under, under such leadership, you know? But it's the leadership that they ask for. And that's, that's kind of the, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side 
idea. Somewhere in here, somebody with major, major sociological and political influence convinced women that this type of, of, of man would be, would be satisfactory, that this type of man would bring them happiness or bring them contentment or at least bring them a political power that, that, they, would be, that they would be happy with. But we see, but, but we see everything but. Women, there has never been a time in history where women have had more political power. There has never been a time in human history, known human history, where women have had more sway on the world stage politically. There has never been a time in human history where women have been in charge or leading or contributing to essential institutions powerful institutions, such as the military-industrial complex, which is now run by all women. The heads of the company are women, I should say. Not run by women. Presented as leadership. Even the women are getting three-card montied when it comes to representation. Right? We'll put a black person up like Obama. We'll put a black woman up like Jean-Pierre. We'll put a Jewish person up like such and such, we'll put a, a Latino person up like such, we'll put a gay person up for representation, even white women, liberal white women, even they're getting a suppository of, of, of full representation, military industrial complex being the main example. Lockheed, Boeing, all of these women as the leadership. Never in human history have women been better positioned politically? And yet, all of the statistics for depression, anxiety, drug use are up. They're all up. All the numbers are up. This society that is feminist-led, that is, that is feminist-leaning, that is effeminate in its, in its impulse, has women more unhappy than they've ever been in recent history. You're doing the numbers. The majority of the the majority of the mental health professionals and, 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 and psychological professionals are women. You're taking your own numbers. You're doing your own census. You're the ones doing the data. Never has there been more self-reporting of unhappiness and discontentment in, the, in, in, in women than there is right now. What does that tell us? There is a, there is a stark there is a, there is a stark, stark contrast and disconnect between what women think they want and what actually brings them some type of solace. Does this correspond with the Bible? Does this correspond with the 6,000-year-old faith practice of, of Christianity? Does this correspond with the, with the faith practice of, 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 of our Lord and Savior? Absolutely it does. Women who reject the leadership of men or women who, are, who 
have an absence of strong male leadership often find themselves pursuing things that don't even make them happy in the end. And that's what we see. You don't want a child, you want a job that works you to the bone, you hate, a lot of you hate it. If you love your job, more power to you. If you love your job and you don't want to have a kid because it's just not your thing or you just, you know, you just don't want to, more power, I mean, hey, to each his own. To each his own. Everybody in the Bible wasn't meant to have children or to bear children. To each his own. But a lot of you people are working jobs you don't even like. You're working jobs that you hate. And I hate that uh, 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 a federal government that thrives on this codependency of the federal government has incentivized American citizens, women included, that their dependence on the federal government is what will ultimately lead to prosperity and happiness and well-being because it, it, it won't. And I hate that that same federal government has inflated the, the cost of living, has, has undermined the American taxpayer, has, has split the home into two and now tax both the man and the woman in her new job that she hates but has to work in order to pay bills on her own in her own independent life. I hate that for you women. I really don't like that for you. I hate it for you. I wish I could get through to you. I wish I could get through to you. I really do. You're making it hard. Help me help you. Help me help you. You don't want to work two jobs. You don't want to DoorDash and OnlyFans. You really don't want to. It may seem convenient and fun, but you really don't want to. And then you come out the other side and you resent men and then you let your Marxist professors tell you that it was men in general, men, who created the society or, or built the society in a way where you had to only fans and DoorDash to have a fighting chance in the economy when really it was your Marxist professors who did it. It was your Marxist professors who, who deconstructed the tradition of America in order to supplant your vital role and the overall health and prosperity and well-being of the American people because women play an integral role, an integral role in raising good young men. Integral. Yes, men struggle to, to be raised properly without a father, but even with a two-parent household, even with a father in the home, the mother plays an integral role in raising young men. Integral. Why? Because even if you live in a two-parent household that's traditional where the man is the breadwinner and the man is the one going out and doing the work or it used to be doing the hunting or going to war, the woman was left to raise the children. Maybe the grandfather who had retired from work, who had retired from going to battle, who had retired from doing the hunting, maybe he lent the wisdom down uh, uh, and skipped a generation and gave that grandfatherly wisdom to the son. But the, the working age, prime age man was never in the household throughout human history, especially in biblical times. The man's out doing the hunting, the man's out doing the farming, the man's out doing the shepherding, the man's out going to war. Women have always played an integral role in raising men. So if you're unhappy with the way that men have shaped society, take a look in the fucking mirror. Because that's how you raised us. That's how you raised us. You raised us to think a little more like you, a little too much like you. 
Maybe you resented the man for going out to work. Maybe you resented the man for going off to war or going out to hunt. Maybe you wanted him to sit around and, and cater to you all day. I mean, look, you can, you can look at the results and you can go back and infer the motive. It's the same as today. I love when Jordan Peterson sat down with the woman from GQ and, and she tries to frame, and, and remember now, I was in, I was in Ontario, Canada uh, when, when the Bill C-16 controversy happened and I watched how they tried to lambast uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson and I was appalled by it. Had never lived in Canada, was new to Canada, had never even been to Canada really other than you know, right around International Falls in, in northern Minnesota uh, as a young kid, but had never been in anywhere densely populated in Canada and didn't know a lot about Canadian culture. And my first arrival to Canadian culture or into Canadian culture is to see this brilliant college professor be lambasted for the most common sense ideas was mind-boggling to me. I was like, what the fuck is going on here in Canada? Um, but, you know, I was, you know, when I was, when I was in Canada, um, I was I was able to see uh, how how he was treated, and and it dawned on me watching this GQ interview that the the rift between men and women from ancient times, from ancient. Let's just start with our own creation myth in the in the Judeo Christian uh, tradition. the The rift between men and women is has grown so profound that it has no logical coherence anymore. There is no logical coherence. This woman tried to make the claim that the entire Western society is a male-dominated patriarchy, and, and Jordan simply asks her, okay, well then how do you explain your self-perceived privilege? How, do you how are you grateful for the things that come through a tyrannical patriarchy? How can you claim to be happy or content or grateful for things that manifest through tyranny. Doesn't that make you party to the tyranny? And it is the case that many women have been and still are party to the tyranny, even the tyranny that they would like to call out and advocate against. And I bring that example up just to say, overwhelmingly throughout history, men have built society at, to put women up on a pedestal Maybe their rights weren't concretized. Maybe, maybe they weren't constituted. Yes, women, I mean, even, even a woman being a man's property was sort of a symbol of that man wanting to covet that woman. You're mine. Healthy or not, it's not the point. The point is that the society was built in pursuit of a woman's love, in pursuit of a woman's warmth, in pursuit of a woman's company in pursuit of a woman's intimacy, and ultimately in pursuit of a woman's sexual, uh, 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 sexual consent. Much of society, much of what men have built in this civilization all around the world was in pursuit of women. To overlook that is naive. To overlook that is dishonest. To overlook that is about as dishonest as I think these Me Too allegations against Russell Brand are. And I think the allegations against Donald Trump are, are dishonest. And I wouldn't be surprised if there were allegations that popped up about me. Myself, I kind of invited. I feel, I, feel, I feel ready. I feel equipped to be, if I'm, if I'm not 
you know, I'm being honest. Just because I understand this dynamic. And let me, let me say this as a parting shot. I think we've been here for a while. I want to say this as a parting shot. If we're going to have a conversation about the morality and ethics of sex, let's do it. Fine. We want to redefine it. We want to reshape it. We can do it. But let's have the conversation. Let's have an open and honest conversation about what's really going on out here. And that's what I look to bring to the political discussion as well as my candidacy for Senate, which hopefully would be about much more important things than the, the, the sort of he say, she say of, of sexual politics. I would hope that we would be much more interested in a thing like nuclear war or, or taxation without representation. But hey, I could be wrong. Sexual politics have a very potent, uh, a, a very, uh, have a, a lot of potency in our current culture. There's no doubt about that. Everybody's interested in sex. I would hope we would have better, better things to concern ourselves with, at, at least when it comes to, to politics right now. But it's not lost on me that people care about what they care about when they care about it. It's, it's often until, you know, you're, you're going to the gulag, you're getting trained off to the gulag. October 4th, they're going to run a, an emergency broadcast test. And uh, it just dawned on me how many people would hear an emergency broadcast given from the government. And if, if they were to say, we're sending soldiers to your home to take you to safety, how many people would go? You know, when I think about stuff like that at night, it keeps me up. It motivates me. It inspires me that half of the people who are probably watching today, respectfully to all of you, if the government came on television broadcast wide across the entire country and said, this is an imminent danger. Such and such is, is going on right now. We are sending people to your homes to help escort you to safety. Many of you would go. Many of you would pack your shit, your belongings so quick, heads would spin. Many of you would go, and you would be probably marching straight to your death. Scary proposition. And when you got to the gulag, when you got to the death camp, when you got to the concentration camp and the door shut behind you, and you look down and you've been ripped away from your woman and your children, uh, and, and you see that gulag number, then it'll fucking dawn on you that you shouldn't have been squeamish around certain conversations or profanity or the, the inconvenience or disruption of, of status quo busting. You should have doubled down. You should have planted a flag. You should have got more involved. That's what it'll hit you. Should have had the conversation about sex. We should have figured that out before they, me too, every fucking potential leader into obscurity through bullshit allegations. We should have we maybe thought long and hard about that. So, you know, women, you can't have it all ways. You can't, you can't in one light be obsessed with the young, with the young, uh, with the young manufacturing mogul. The young manufacturing mogul in the steel business who ties his girlfriend up in a secret room in the middle of his million dollar penthouse in the, in the big city uh, and, 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 and love that. And not just that you love the, the, the consensual nature of it. You kind of like the, 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 uh, the, 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 uh, I'm talking about 50 shades of gray. For those of you who don't know the reference, many of you women out there who are of that age knew the reference right away because it's one of the most popular book series in America. 
testament of how strange the sexual uh, culture has become. On one hand, we have a Me Too movement that says men are overstepping the boundaries way too often. We got we to gotta reel men in. We got to get their, their, their sexual appetites under control. And at the same time, your number one fantasy is for a man to tie you up in some ways against your will and, and beat you uh, to the point of uh, a thin line between pleasure and pain or desire and, and not desire. Or, or you could say consent and, and non-consent. In fact, the whole story in the first Fifty Shades of Grey movie was Christian Grey introducing the young girl to this dominatrix sexual lifestyle that he was living. And in the climactic scene before the movie ended and went on to part two, and now there's a, there was a part three of the movie, but in that climactic scene, um, she basically told Christian Grey um, to stop, you know, stop, right? No. Right. He had pushed the limit too far. But hell, in the Me Too culture we live in, anything that Christian had done up until that point in the movie could have been seen as le- illegal, criminal. And, and I'm, just, I'm just being honest with you guys. We live in this culture. Choke me, bite me, spit on me, uh, you know, smack me, slap me, uh, uh, beat me, uh, tie me up, uh, you know. You'd be surprised the stuff I hear out there, the stuff that pe- that that's been messaged to me. You, you, you. I, I could barely say it. It's, it's, you know, it's almost seen as uncivilized to talk about it. But then therein lies the weaponization because when you don't talk about what's really happening behind the scenes in the sexual culture, then people use that lack of dialogue about it to weaponize it against Russell Brand. And I mean that sincerely. I, I don't know if I could, I, I don't know if I've said a more important thing on this podcast to date because sexual politics are increasingly powerful. And, and it is taboo, right? Men, men are, are very sexual creatures, as too are women. And, and men and women have created a very sexual society, a very sexual culture. But again, it's a secret sexual culture. It's a sexual culture behind closed doors for the most part now. You'll get your Miley Cyruses in her day about 10 years ago where she was provocative. You'll get your Madonnas. You'll get the sexual promiscuity in Hollywood, in the rap business, in movies, in Hollywood, you'll get that, right. Okay, you know, that's like that's like the, the loud but quiet of sexual culture. The majority of sexual culture for your average American, for your individuals around the country and around the world happens in private. It happens in secret. And people don't like to talk about it. In fact, people even 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 reject it on face value. They're very uncomfortable with it. And because they're uncomfortable with it, because we can't have an honest dialogue about about our, our sexual culture and what's going on in our sexual culture, when the when the stakes get the highest and people start slinging allegations with legal consequences and ramifications or people getting censored and demonetized like Russell Brand, now all of a sudden nobody really knows how to deal with it. Now we throw it to the court's hands, and once again, the same system you all say is guilty is the same system you're going to trust to adjudicate the the you know the 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 right or wrong 
of this particular situation or a number of situations. It makes no sense. This is the moral hazard when a society goes to chaos and loses all sense of order. This is the, this is the, this is the, real, this is the real Trojan horse of the decay of America, the managerial decay of America, the slow decline, not just politically and economically, but culturally and spiritually, upstream from politics. Now we're in a self-perpetuating destruction, self-perpetuating decay. Where our very leaders, people like Russell Brand, I mean, he's not American, he's from the UK, but you know what I mean. It's not just him. It's all kinds of people. It's going to be all kinds of people. People like this are going to be silenced and deplatformed, demonetized before they even get to a, a, a court of law, before they even have a fair trial. And I'm not even saying the trial is going to be fair. There's huge questions of if there are any even fair trials. The presumption of innocence and the burden to prove one guilty is even the sticks have moved. Because I'm not so sure we can even be confident. No, I take that back. I'm certain we can't be confident in the court process. <laughs> I am 100% certain there is huge, huge issues with our legal and justice system. And most people on the left would agree. But as soon as a woman goes to accuse a man of sexual misconduct and, 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 or, or sexual assault, all of a sudden, the white hat comes out from the closet, it sits on top of the head of this same justice system you say is guilty. Oh, fuck yourself. And I don't say that to be funny. I am serious. Go fuck yourself with that bullshit. It's bullshit. We don't have time. And that's the other thing. We don't have time for this shit. We don't have time for this shit anymore. We are in a dire situation in this country. We're in a dire situation around the world. And it's not fucking climate change. The only thing about the climate that has changed is people are increasingly willing to accept tyranny. That's the fucking climate change I see. And the people who are supposed to be standing up and fighting get all squeamish about sex and, 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 and profanity. Look, we live in a sexual and profane culture. In order to dig our way out, we're going to have to get our hands dirty. Part of getting your hands dirty, I'm going to do right now, is bite me, smack me, spit on me, pee on me, choke me, tie me up, handcuff me, is a very, very prominent piece of America's sexual culture. Anybody who doesn't tell you it or doesn't want to talk about it probably is not fit for leadership. They want to talk around it. They want to dance around it. I don't have to dance around it. I've been in it. I lived it. I've seen it. I've heard it. Choke me until I pass out. Choke me until I pass out. No, oh, no, I don't want to do that. I'm not choking you till you pass out. I'm, that's a little too freaky. Um, we ain't doing that. Not till you pass. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no. Actually, matter of fact, you know what? I got to go. That's a little too dangerous. That's a little, that's weird. Not an anomaly. Not few and far between. Prevalent. Prevalent in America's sexual culture. In the age group of, of, of young, in the age group of the women that are, in the age group of the women who are probably accusing Russell Brand of sexual misconduct and rape or assault.
Isn't it strange that the average age of consent in America is 16? The average age of consent in America is 16 to protect young people from making choices they'll regret or being manipulated by adults to make choices that they'll regret or to harm, you know, underage people as well. So we've, we've, we've placed a premium on making a separation, at least sexually, between adults and children, yet all of our liberal and left-leaning adults are now trying to force sexual preferences, lifestyles, identities, ideologies onto people who are eight years old, seven years old, and six years old, let alone 16. The average age of consent is 16. We're drawing a clear line that separates children from adults when it comes to sexual morals and ethics. Yet, we want to have open dialogue with young men at the age of six and seven that encourages them to participate in a certain type of sex. And that is what's happening. There is a distinct difference between the enthusiasm for gay and homosexuals and transgender men and lesbian women and women who are transitioning to men. There is a significant difference in the cultural enthusiasm toward the two. There is much more support. There is much more commercial coverage. There is much more uh, uh, credence and, and, and uh, there is much more emphasis. There's much more passion. I think that's the word. There's like a passion to see men become homosexual or to start to dress like women. And now we've done it all the way down at a young age. Young age. And for the black men, see, this is what you white liberal women are going to have a problem with, like Amy Klobuchar, for example. Because now you're talking to a black man who is competent as a motherfucker, and I'm sharp as they come. Me, see, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like Russell Brand in that way. I'm as sharp as they come, and I've never been convicted of a felony. I don't do drugs. I may drink a Johnny Walker here and there. I'm a, I'm a man's man, a rugged individualist. I may smoke a cigar, but I don't make a habit of it. I'm a one-drink-limit guy. I don't drink to get drunk. I may drink a whiskey. may have a Manhattan but I give myself a one drink limit unless I'm really, really having a good time. And then it might be two, but it's never three. I have a never, I have a never three drink limit when I drink, which is never, which is not often. My point is I don't have any of these vices. The one thing that you could, I, I could honestly say about myself growing up and, and into my adult years was I've had a lot of success sexually with women. I can just say that honestly. And, you know, it, it, I don't know what else to say about that other than that. And I've experienced a lot. And I think a lot of pro athletes have. Um, and, and I think I'm probably even unique within the pool of pro athletes because of my personality. I'm not shy. I'm, I'm very outgoing. I'm very outspoken. I'm a very dominant personality. I'm a loud personality. I'm, 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 I'm not a, a shy and reserved person. Um, 
And I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot through that. And I think it's prepared me for a time such as this to be able to defend a fellow truth teller like Russell Brand and, and speak about the, the real um, subtle, unspoken, and secret nature of our sexual culture here in America where some other people may be shy or apprehensive to do so. Choke me until I pass out. And, and I know you probably are listening, you know, wherever you are watching and thinking to yourself, really? I mean, is it really like that out there? Oh, it's really like that out here. It's really, really like that. Choke me until I pass out. And the only reason I bring it up is to ask, what are the implications of, of what we're told? The, the sexual culture. Again, I brought up the age of consent, and I said these, these white liberal women are going to have a problem with me because I'm going to ask the very basic question. How is it that you can, you can talk about the potential harm of platforming a Russell Brand, for example, that could, that, that the potential harm on, on the greater society, for example, and, and, and yet you encourage young black men to engage in, in, in sexual acts that, that have them at a, a 50% lifetime risk of contracting HIV. Gay black men have a 50% chance lifetime risk of contracting HIV. I'll say it again for the Amy Klobuchar's and the and the Elizabeth Warrens and the the Hillary Clintons and the and the Gloria Steinums and 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 all of these other motherfuckers. Gay black men have a lifetime risk of 50%. Have a 50% lifetime risk of contracting HIV. I'll say it again. Gay black men have a 50% lifetime risk of contracting HIV, and you're encouraging young black men at the elementary level to embrace their homosexual desires? And you don't see a problem with that? There's no harm to the greater public in your misinformation? To you, it's just information, right? Doesn't matter if young black men end up in a grave due to HIV. And I won't even get into how HIV really came about because that's an entirely different can of worms. But I'm having, given the unfolding, uh, the, the unrolling in the, 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 the sheer nature of COVID-19 and, and the uh, China man eat bat, Africa man fuck monkey, I'm having a real tough time believing that HIV came from nature. I'm having a very, and these days I'm having a very difficult time believing that HIV was a natural disease. Very difficult time believing that HIV jumped from an animal to humanity. Very, very difficult. And it's kind of offensive. It, I mean, it really is kind of offensive. There's a not so subtle there is a not-so-subtle, not-so-hidden, sort of blatant, outrageous level of racism in the whole HIV, uh, the whole HIV origin story, right? That people in Africa are so savage. You know, this, is the, this is the common story in the communities, right? This is the, 
this is the American culture story. I'm not saying this is the scientific explanation because, you know, you get balls deep in that. Who knows what you'll read? There are probably a hundred different different takes. But anyway, a common a common belief was that a man in Africa had sex with a monkey and that this HIV virus, this, this HIV disease uh, spread from monkeys or some animal there in Africa. I'm having a very hard time believing it now. And, you know, this is what we do here on Please Call Me Crazy. It may be a hard leap. It may be a hard to follow how we get all the way from Russell Brand and the Me Too allegations of what are probably liberal white women to HIV. But, but you got to go back and listen. You got to go back and understand there is a common thread here. There is a common thread in your willingness to see that common thread is the best chance we have to save this nation and to create a world of prosperity and well-being to fight back against the corruption and dishonesty of the status quo. And much of that status quo is the complicity of women, the crisis of femininity, and no, no, no doubt, the failure of masculinity. No doubt. You liberal white women are going to tell young black men that they should embrace homosexual, homosexual intercourse, knowing full well that they have a 50% lifetime risk of contracting HIV. That's harmful to the greater public. That's harmful to the greater society. Russell Brand having sex with some freaky girls back in the day and I do mean back in the day, 10 years ago is back in the day for anybody. I mean, 10 years ago is a lifetime. People are completely different people in 10 years. You could, you could kick a heroin habit in 10 years. You could be working in two totally different fields or professions in 10 years. You could live in one country, then be living in a, living in a different country or a different state or a different city in 10 years. I mean, you, you could be totally healthy 10 years here, and in the next decade you're fighting cancer. I mean, the 10 years is a lifetime. You know, all of us get seven lifetimes, seven little lifetimes, and you break them down into 10 years. I'm in my third lifetime right now. The decade of the 30s. This is my third lifetime. Well, I'm sorry, this is my fourth lifetime. Zero to 10 is a lifetime. 10 to 20 is a lifetime. 20 to 30 is a lifetime. 30 to 40 is a lifetime. I'm in my fourth lifetime right now my fourth decade zero to ten kind of kind of doesn't count you could even make the argument that your your your, your life kind of doesn't even really start or begin as your own life until you come from under the, the stewardship of your parents at the age of 20 for most of us but some of us come out of the the stewardship of our parents much younger and some of us were born orphans and and we were out of the stewardship of, of parents from the word go so different for everybody. But the point is, 10 years is a long fucking time. I'm not believing no stories after 10, 20 years about the, about the nuances and, and, and the, he, the he say, she say of some sexual encounter. I'm focused on what Russell Brand is continuing to uncover and, and lend insight into from his vantage point around these very, very important political and social issues. That's what I'm focused on. That's what I'm focused on. Go, Russell Brand. We support you, Russell. Get, continue to go forward. March forward, onward and upward.
Godspeed to you. Godspeed to you. Don't let these people derail you. And all of you out there, again, I tell you, I'll tell you this, and, and, then, and then I'm getting out of here. If they come for you in the morning, no, that's not how it goes. If they come for me at night, they'll come for you in the morning, right? If they come for me in the evening, they'll come for you in the morning. Same thing is true with Russell Brand. That's true with Donald Trump. And both of them may be shitty people. Have their flaws, have their, their, their mistakes in life, have their, their, their sins. Have their dark, dark, sinister, you know, evil, selfish ways. I don't know. I don't know. But the point, the point is, the, the real point that all of us should take away from it is, the idea of citizenship and some of the fundamental, the fundamental um, cornerstones of citizenship, American citizenship, but really what has become the template for citizenship all around the world have to be guarded and protected. And we can't let our own individual impulses and, and, and ideologies get in the way with what we all know to be necessary, necessary safeguards to tyranny. And one of them is the presumption of innocence. Not necessarily because of the he say, she say between an individual, but more importantly, because of the ability or the potential for government and, and uh, the coalescing of corrupt power to start to deem people guilty at will. This has been another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody, please. If you have to buy tires, just buy tires from us. Help fund what we're doing. We're trying to bring you these conversations and this content. TireGit.com is a great and easy way to get your tires. We have installers all across the country that you can go to same day and get your tires put on is my understanding. If that's not the, the case, please reach out to us. Go to Free People Radio. You can send us an email at, at free people, hello at freepeopleradio.com. Um, when you go to TireGate, use promo code FPR. Promo code FPR will give you a discount on your order. Um, we appreciate the viewers and the listeners all around the world. We really do. Episode 101, I'm still... Um, Elated, elated that we're at 100 episodes and the audience continues to grow. I thank you. Uh, we're going to continue to try and get the, the content out in more creative ways to help grow the audience even quicker so that we can find more people like-minded like yourself and you don't have to feel like you're, you're standing in the battlefield alone. But I tell you this, we're living in a time now where the most truthful people of our time will often be standing alone. The most truthful people of our time will often have to face the corruption of the establishment and the wickedness of the status quo all by themselves. So we appreciate your viewership and your listenership today and in the future. Please go to freepeopleradio.com and find out where you can follow or listen to the podcast. We want to thank the War Room Posse. We want to thank Steve Bannon, Maureen Bannon, the great Grace Chong, and everybody over there at the War Room for streaming the podcast and giving us the platform with the America First Patriots, the MAGA Patriots. Just say it, MAGA. Make, a, make America great again. Is that such a bad idea? Is that really such a bad idea? I say not. 
make America great again. That is a that is a worthwhile idea. So we want to thank the War Room Posse. We want to thank Alex Jones. I was just on Alex Jones yesterday um, for the fourth hour. I want to say we our thoughts and prayers are with Owen Schroyer, who is in the crosshairs of another kangaroo cord Banana Republic pr- proceeding. Um, my support is is with Owen Schroyer and fighting against this this tyrannical kangaroo court that is that is popped up. Uh, in, in the wake of January 6th and all of the proceedings that are going on there. It's very, very dangerous for your Senate and your Congress or your elected officials, your government to tell you, no matter what we do to you, we should never have to fear people. We should never have to fear the citizens. We should never have to f- fear the people that we govern over. That should concern. That should worry you. That's a problem. It's not how American citizenship was supposed to work. It's not how American governance was supposed to work. Ever, ever. The government should always fear the people. And the moment where the government begins to lie, the moment where the government begins to cheat, begins to steal, begins to to, uh, coalesce corrupt power in the interest of its own power, it absolutely should fear the people. And what they're doing to Owen and what they've done to many of the January 6th protesters is give the def- make, send the definitive message that we are untouchable. Your elected officials have reached a status so elite that they should never have to fear the common people, the deplorables. Shout out to Owen Schroyer. We hope that you can resolve this issue uh, in, in, in short order and, and that um, your, you, you have a favorable outcome. And all of us, all of us here should not continue to let people like Alex and Owen and Steve Bannon and Donald Trump be be targeted by these kangaroo courts because it's coming for us next. We want to thank Alex Jones for hosting the podcast on Band.Video. You can go to Band.Video. I have a page on Band.Video that you can subscribe to. And if you sign up for Band.Video and and follow the podcast there. Um, What else? What am I missing? Ah, Apple. Uh, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, iHeartRadio, all the places that you can listen to the podcast. Um, please give us a five-star rating. Give us any rating you like. We just like ratings. Give us a rating if you're listening on the listening platform. If you're on YouTube, if you're in the live chat, drop a comment. Drop a comment in the live chat. Go drop a comment in the actual comment section. I see a lot of people in the live chat, but then you all didn't drop. don't drop comments in the comment section. Please go hit the thumbs up and like and share if you can. All of that helps to fight the algorithm. My channel is already being, uh, you know, throttled by YouTube and their algorithm. One, I have a strike against me, number one. Or I got a warning and a strike for talking about the WHO. And, and then the other one was posting the Alex Jones interview. That was episode 18. You can still catch on Rumble. It's still there. Um, and I may, in, folk, in fact, post that again, um, you know, in, in the next week or so on Rumble. Uh, and run it on War Room so we can see that again now that the audience has, has grown. Um, but yeah, drop a comment and, and, and hit the like button because it helps to fight the algorithm. My channel is 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 hard to find. You go to YouTube, you you type in Royce White. Uh, you know they got they got a little collapsible uh, uh, box now for the podcast. When it started, it was please call me crazy. Episode 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 episode. Big thumbnails. You could see it. Big bold. Big bold. Uh, profile there on on YouTube's interface. Now, little hidden collapsed box profile picture. 
Please call me crazy. Easy to miss. So uh, help us out if you can by by uh, hitting the like button and, and, and dropping a comment and sharing and being a force multiplier. We really appreciate it. But we're going to keep coming with content no matter what. Uh, this has been another episode of Please Call Me Crazy. The fight continues. Don't die a jerk off. And as always, Godspeed.